0: The march is on. This is Josh Swanson, host of Heard It Here with Swanee, every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. on 740 The Fan. I'll get you amped up for tailgating, kickoff, and bison football with my high-octane takes and analysis of all things bison. That's Heard It Here with Swanee, Saturday mornings 8 to 9 on the region's number one sports station, 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM, and 740TheFan.com.
1: It's the Bison Illustrated podcast. And Wentz is going to keep it. Wentz in the upside. The Bison retake the lead. It's over. North
0: Dakota State advances to the round of 32 as they pull the upset against the five-seeded Oklahoma Sooners. First ever tournament win. And the Bison have done it. They have reclaimed their place atop the medal with the national championship.
1: With senior columnist Josh Swanson and editor Nolan Schmidt.
0: Back to the win column for the herd as they clinched a share of the Missouri Valley Football Conference crowned with the resounding 49 to 17 win over Youngstown State. This is the Bison Illustrated podcast where champions come to podcast. I'm senior columnist Josh Swanson along with editor-in-chief of the Bison Illustrated, Brady Drake. And before we get to the Bison, how delicious was that Hail Mary ending in Vermilion South Dakota? Yeah, I know. The Jack Rabbits beat the Bison. 20 7-19 in Brookings the week before that. That doesn't mean we cannot all enjoy the tastiness. Coach Stigmeyer making a questionable call to try to have his quarterback. Let's set the stage. It's 4th and 2. The Jacks have the ball with 7 or 8 seconds left on the Yotes 43-yard line. They are leading that football game. They punt and the game's over. Coach Stigmeyer elects to have Ola Dukin Run around, and he throws the ball out of bounds. But wait, there's a second left on the clock. Brady, we were watching that game in the Swan Cave, our basement bar on the the big TV behind the bar, and I said to Libby, stay gone and just screwed up because there's a second left. Goofy stuff happens in football games. I kid you not. I said, watch them hit the Hail Mary. Watch them hit this. I just had that feeling. You see see hundreds of football games, and you just get this inkling that something bat— Crazy is about to happen. And lo and behold, once that ball went in the air, batted three times right into the arms of the USD receiver to give the Coyotes not, not just a huge win. The Yolts are number 16 in the country now, coming to the game into the Fargo Dome. 7-3 and three overall, 5-2 and two in the league, regardless of what happens in their game versus the Bison. Look, they want to win it. Because if South Dakota beats the Bison this weekend, They'll share the Missouri Valley Football Conference crown, so there's a lot at stake. But what's so damn interesting about this crazy game with that Hail Mary, one play, one decision by Coach Stigemeyer, South Dakota punches a playoff ticket, presumably. SDSU probably needs to win this weekend against UND just to get into the playoffs. South Dakota State loses a seed, so even if they beat the Fighting Hawks this weekend— they're gonna to have to play Thanksgiving weekend and then go on the road in a second round game. But if they lose to the Fighting Hawks, yeah, SDSU has seven wins. One was against Division II Lindenwood. The Jacks would only have six Division I wins. They'd be four and four in the Missouri Valley. And if you and I wins, that means SDSU, the Jacks, and you and I are all sitting four and four in the league. They're all sitting there with six Division I wins, but the Fighting Hawks and you and I will have beaten the Jacks. Seven teams from the Valley ain't going to the playoffs. It's questionable whether six teams would go to the playoffs. So now, all of a sudden, because of that Hail Mary, if the Jacks lose, the team that came into the country number two overall after a title game appearance in the spring could find themselves on the outside of the playoffs looking in. So there were so many things, and we'll get to the Bison game against Youngstown and talk about Tameric Williams' big day, Cam Miller looking good. The Bison finally got that ground game going. Uh, Coach Jens had some, some uh, things to say about that at his weekly press conference, but boy, oh boy, one Hail Mary and one seemingly innocuous decision to throw the ball out of balance rather than punting is going to have major repercussions, or could have major repercussions, on who gets into the playoffs from the Missouri Valley.
1: And all I could think, I watched that Hail Mary live too. I saw maybe two minutes of that game, and that was part of that. Um, all I could think was, why didn't the DBs just bat it down? They are told <laughs> they're told that bat all, it down over and over and over again. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with South South Dakota State. I mean. You don't think the committee would weigh that NDSU win pretty heavily over their losses from to UND and UNI?
0: Yeah, I think what it's going to come down to, if you're the selection committee, seven Valley teams aren't getting in. If six get in, you have to decide between SDSU, UNI, and the Jacks, assuming UND still has to beat the Jacks. If the Jacks win, they're in, UND's out and then the only bubble team is does a six when you and I get in. But how do you keep out teams that head-to-head would have beaten the Jacks? Now, the Jacks have the name, but if you look at their resume, really the only thing they would have done is beaten the Bison, and head-to-head has to count for something. So, Or do they leave all three of those teams out and just take four Valley teams because the Big Sky is going to get a bunch of teams in. CEA is going to get a handful. You have the AQs, the, the 10 or 11 AQs that get their tickets punched no matter what. So I, I don't know. And with the FBS win against Colorado State, is that playing? I think it probably
1: helps. I know you're very harsh on that, but I think that definitely it, It'll
0: helps. help them. It'll help yeah. them. But I think at the end of the day, if you're on that committee and UND, SDSU, and you and I are all sitting there four and four in the Valley, all with six Division I wins, the head to head has to count for something. And how do you tell? How do you tell, UNI and or UND? Yeah, you beat SDSU head to head. So if you've established that, you know, when you look at head to head, the the air quotes are they the better team? Well, they won head to head. It it will be tough to keep UND or UNI out if the Jacks lose. I, I think what would probably happen is based on the FBS win that the committee at the end of the day does some gymnastics and takes SDSU over UNI. I think UNI is out. I don't think they're getting any even with the win. I think that if South Dakota State loses, they're still such a brand. They're a name, if they were any other a blank name and just a resume. But that's not the case. They're going to look at the fact that South Dakota State made the title game. They're, they shouldn't take it into account, but they made the title game last year. Mm-hmm. They beat North Dakota State. And they beat Colorado State. So, one of the, the most impressive, and to the Jacks' credit, one of the most impressive wins in the FBS, or excuse me, FCS this fall out of any team is South Dakota State's win over North Dakota State. That's a big feather in their hat. You throw in the Colorado State thing, I think even if they lose, they're probably in. I think you're going to hear a lot of complaining and yelling from Northern Iowa because I think they'll be left out. And I think if UND beats the Jacks, I think they're going to get in the field. So right now as it stands, you've got four Valley teams that are in probably regardless of what happens this weekend. NDSU is in, Missouri State is in, Southern Illinois is in, and USD are all in. They all have seven Division I wins in FCS, and they're all going to finish five in three or better in the Missouri Valley. So I think those four teams are in, no question. Then it comes down to do you take three teams from the Valley? Valley's not getting seven in. I do not see that happening. So of all the possible scenarios, I think South Dakota State's probably in regardless.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Um, how does it work with, is it, is it a strict committee? It's a committee decision. Okay. Correct. So it's not like back in the BCS when you get the computers involved and
0: stuff like that. They they released, I think they see the, the shit storm coming their way because they released the criteria of what the committee looks at. And it's like anything else, whether it's the NCAA Basketball Selection Committee, the College Football Playoff Committee, some years as well, the quality loss, the quality win. Well, they had their, their, their loss was better than the other team's loss. The, the criteria, it's not set in stone. The committee can take whoever they want. Yeah. So how are they going to value SDSU's wins over a North Dakota State team that should they win? And we'll talk about that in a few minutes here on the Bison Illustrated Podcast brought to you by Shields. If NDSU wins, do they get that two seed, the three seed, or the four seed? How are James Madison, North Dakota State, and Montana State going to fall there? If all those three teams win, Sam Houston, they shouldn't have any problem this weekend. Defending champs, undefeated. Yeah, I know their conference is weak, but they're going to get the one, and probably deservedly so, defending champs going undefeated. But how the committee is going to throw all that stuff into the blender or maybe they just say head-to-head. The, the cleanest thing to do, I think, if I'm in that committee is South Dakota. St- it's hard to say South Dakota State's a better football team than you and I, or, or you, it's it's hard, excuse me. It'd be harder to say that at this point of the year. South Dakota State, outside of their win against North Dakota State, will have lost three of their last five ball games. They'll have lost four of their last six if UND beats them. It's tough for the committee to justify putting SDSU in over UND. If both finish four and four in the league and in the regular season finale, UND beats them. I think they'll take a look and say that UNI win was earlier in the year, and after that, UNI hit the skids a little bit. But the same could be said against South Dakota State. So it really, it's totally subjective. There is there is no objective criteria. That's total garbage. Your, your ranking, your Massey strength of schedule, I know Mike McFeely and and Ross Uglum have been all about, you know, Massey and Saraghan. That stuff is meaningless. That don't matter. What's just as important is South Dakota State's a big name in FCS. South Dakota State is South Dakota State. If, if you ask me, eyeball test, who's better? I, I don't understand for how— and North Dakota State stubbed their toe against SDSU. We talked about that unheard it here with Swanee, the roughing the punter penalty, the face mask, all those screen passes, letting SDSU jump up to a 24-7 lead— and NDSU, to, to borrow the, the the great Lee Corso, I think South Dakota State shot their wad against the Bison. I think the teams play again in the playoffs, this Brady, I've watched, I've been to, I think, every NDSU South Dakota State game in person, literally been to every one of those games in person going back to, I think, 2000 was the last game between them that I was not at in person. I'll tell you this, you know, hats off to South Dakota State for finding a way to beat the Bison. This is the weakest South Dakota State team I've seen in person in the last five or six years. That's why they've lost these games. That's why they lost to Southern Illinois. That's why they lost to Northern Iowa. That's why they lost against South Dakota. SDSU, again, jumps out to a 10-0 lead. South Dakota claws it away, And it was in the first half, granted. South Dakota State, or excuse me, the, J- the Yotes get back in that game. It's a tight one throughout. SDSU is not as good as they were last spring. And they're not as good as they've been in the last five years. NDSU stepped their toes. That's why the Jacks won. If the Bison and Jacks played again in the playoffs, I think NDSU would beat them by double digits. I really do. I think NDSU is a better football team. The Bison look like they figured out some stuff on the ground. Coach Entz alluded to it in his press conference. They simplified things. They said, we're going to dial it back. Our guys are playing tentative, they're playing slow whatever they did schematically worked they were able to run the ball against youngstown state and i know youngstown is youngstown and we'll see usd was really good in a 23 20 the hail mary win they only gave up 20 points to a good south dakota state offense they're no slouches defensively we'll see how well the bison run the ball and by and large they contain pierre strong the yotes did last week we'll see how well the bison offense i think that's a big test for the bison offense can they replicate? what they did on the ground against South Dakota. But but I'll, I'll tell you what, I think if these teams play again, North Dakota State and the Jacks, the Bison win that game by 13 to 17 points. I think the committee is going to put them on opposite sides of the bracket. I think what's most likely is that because South Dakota State and Missouri State did not play in the regular season, if most state wins against Western Illinois this weekend, Missouri State's going to get a bye. They're going to put South Dakota State at home against and some team from the big sky. If Montana loses to Montana State, I think what you'll see is is Montana having to go to South Dakota State with the winner of that game going to Missouri State. I think the committee is going to pair up NDSU because they didn't play Southern Illinois in the regular season. I think Southern Illinois is going to get a home game against somebody that first round, and they're going to send the Salukis to Fargo in the second round. I think that's Will it surprise me if that doesn't happen? No. I think NDSU, if you're 10-1, and 1, you've earned the right to not play somebody from your own league in the second round. I think the committee is going to do it. I, I think what they ought to do is put the Bison against the Holy, uh, Holy Cross versus CAA or Big Sky kind of winner coming to Fargo. But you know, it'll be exciting. There's, there's a lot of stuff that could happen. And, and I'll tell you what, no matter what happens, Bison fans are going to be pissed off. They always are. And there's no easy road in the playoffs, though, right? You're going to get South Dakota State's a good team. Sam Houston's a good team. James Madison's a good team. Montana State, I think one team that might be overinflated. I watched most of their game against Idaho this past weekend in Bozeman. Idaho is one of the, the worst teams in the in the big sky. They gave them a game. They were dead even with Montana State. They, they've earned the bye. I don't think they've earned the two-seed over North Dakota State, and I don't think they've earned a seed over James Madison. I think NDSU ought to be the two or three and, and Montana State ought to be the four. But I think, you know, well, we'll see. But, but the Bison aren't gonna be happy. Bison fans are gonna have something to complain about however they get seated in the bracket. The only, the only year that I didn't hear any complaining was last spring when we got Eastern Washington and then Sam Houston, cause fans are like, oh, that's a cakewalk into the semis. And then Sam Houston hands us our lunch. So, you know, go figure. So my one question
1: there, there was nothing from that SDSU game that really um, concerned you moving forward with NDSU?
0: The, the inability to run the football. Well, a couple things. The penalties. The penalties, and we've said it on this podcast all fall, penalties cost the buys in that football game. South Dakota State's looking at punting, backed up in their own territory. In the second quarter there, we rough the punter, give up the first down. A couple plays later, we've got them backed up, third and 13, third and 15. We stopped the, the play on third down for, for what would have been no game. 15-yard face mask. Give him another first down. The penalties concern me. The, the Getting in the, the inside. And I know the red zone is a 20-yard line on in, but I talk a lot about the 30-yard on in. In my mind, if you get inside that 30-yard line with the first down, you have to come away with points, whether that's a field goal or a touchdown. I think once you're inside the 20, you need to be walking away with touchdowns. NDSU gets the ball down at South Dakota State's two-yard line late in the game, chance to make that a one-score game, and they fumble the ball in first and two. You can't, at this point of the year against, I don't care if you're playing Western Illinois, Youngstown, or SDSU, you can't have that happen. You can't bobble and screw up a quarterback. And I think Cam Miller's playing extremely well, very, very high on him. There was an issue with him getting the handoff clean. He puts the ball on the carpet, and he fumbled it earlier in the third quarter against South Dakota State. So ball security not putting the ball on the ground. And then once you're inside the other team's 20, you have to score touchdowns. That concerns me. And the inability to run the ball between the tackles. NDSU's leading rusher going into the Youngstown State game was Don Ganella, and he was under 400 total yards on the season. I'd said, I said on her It Here on 740 AM, the fan last Saturday morning, I thought T, uh, that Tamaric Williams would have a big game, and I tweeted that afterwards. I said, I think this is, is going to be uh, Tamer- uh, Tameric's First time over 100 yards, and it was he had what was it 18 carries for a buck 37, the yep. two two touchdowns. Yep. He was running really hard against South Dakota State, and just watching him progress throughout the course of this year, my gut was telling me he's going to be the bell cow. The running back committee stuff hasn't worked. Is that on the offensive line? Is that on the running backs? Probably a little bit of both, but uh, Williams really justified. Uh, I think him being the guy that's going to get the bulk of the carries moving forward. So what? Am I still concerned about the run game? Yes. We'll see what happens this weekend against against South Dakota. If the bison are able to run the ball against the Yotes, it'll tell me that maybe schematically up front, whether it's schematically what we're trying to do attacking the, the, the defense as far as how things are being blocked and the personnel that'll answer a lot of my questions. But those are the things right now. I mean, and and we look, look, Bison fans. We got to share the valley. If we beat South Dakota, ten and one, seven and one in the valley, a lot of really good things about this football team defensively, the number one team in the FCS. But there are enough things where we just nitpick. I mean, that's what we're yeah. left with when you're nine and one and six and one in the league. Bison fans want this team to get to Frisco. So is this team one of the three or four teams that's a favorite to get to Frisco? Yes. But every single team, whether it's North Dakota State, Sam Houston, James Madison, Montana State they all have warts. There's not this one team that's just a Sam Herter from hero sports tweeted about that. I think yesterday, if you could pick two teams for a lock to get to Frisco or take the field, Sam said he would take the field because he doesn't think there are two. And I agree with him. If, if any of these teams, that the Sam Houston's, James Madison, Montana state, North Dakota state, South Dakota state, whoever, none of them are good enough where they can have a bad day at the office and get through a quarterfinal game, let alone the second-round game. So I think this is going to be a year where I don't expect chalk in the bracket. I think what's going to happen is you're going to get a team. like I think the Bison, if they play like they're capable of, I think they get to Frisco. What I think you're going to see is a team, it wouldn't surprise me, to see a South Dakota or a Southern Illinois get hot, kind of like Youngstown State did a few years ago, get hot and ride a wave all the way to Frisco. Um, I think that's a a definite, definite possibility because I could see I could see any of the top four or five teams getting knocked off in the second round if they don't play well. If they play well, then then I think if, with Sam Houston, James Madison, and North Dakota State, if they play their best football, I think they get to the semifinals. If they don't, I think they've got problems. I think Montana State's a team that, depending on what the matchup is, they could drop a second-round game. I was not impressed at all with what I saw, to, and credit to Brent Vegan. I mean, they haven't lost a an FCS game. They're sitting there two or three in most polls. They've set themselves up for a high sieve and deserve to be in the discussion. Just based on what I saw watching most of their football game against Idaho, if they get paired up with the Valley team in the second round, I think they're in for a hell of a football game. So it's a fun, it's a fun time of year. We, we should talk about We'll get more to playoffs in a little bit. That Youngstown State game, I know, yeah, Youngstown is Youngstown, last place in the Valley, but to run the ball I think it was 45 times Let's let's peek at the numbers. 45 rushes for 454 yards and five touchdowns, an average of 10 yards a pop. Questions about the buys running game will go away pretty fast with numbers like that. What did you think about the run game Saturday? Well, it's
1: just it's just bully football. It's like watching a dominant high school team play out there. I mean, that's
0: you know, you talked about, you know, your
1: concern coming from the SDSU game being the inability to run the football. This was a perfect game to erase those concerns. Um you know, whether the coaches did it by design or not, you talk about how Tameric Williams has progressed throughout the season, and I think it was obvious to anyone watching, you know, the first couple games he didn't really put up stats, but he just kind of catches your eye. You know what I mean? Well, that
0: like, touchdown he, run against, like, it was Missouri State where he bounced off a guy pinball style and put it in Or That might have been Indiana State. I started noticing it a, a few weeks ago against either Missouri – well, against Towson, too. He had a nice hard run against Towson where you knew that he was a – very physical back. Yeah. So if if his
1: limited usage really was, you know, just him learning the playbook, which I I'm sure it could have been, or the coach is gaining his trust, you know, if but seeing him in this feature back role, I mean, it, it's really nice that he did have that limited usage because prior to the SDSU game, his his season high for carries was eight. He's had carries of five, eight, six, two, five, three, four and then he had 11 at South Dakota State, and then 18 at Youngstown. They're going to have their best running back completely fresh for the playoff run, and I think that's a huge plus and something that we should really watch going forward.
0: And he's now the leading rusher on the team, and I think that's a really good point, Brady. They had through nine games, 62 attempts. To put that in perspective, Quincy Patterson had 82 attempts in the games that, that he started. So uh, to be that fresh... To just to just be kind of hitting that hitting that peak hitting that stride, I think, I think that's a great point. Hopefully, Dom Ganella can get back healthy. Hunter Lipke is a guy we saw that early on in the Youngstown game, when he's healthy and rolling, he gives the bias in such an added dimension that teams have to prepare for. We'll see. I think Coach Entz was being maybe a little cagey. He said, you know, both uh, Lipke and then uh, uh, boy, the other fullback uh, Brozio. Uh, Brozio or Brocious, the other fullback, they're both dinged up a little bit. Hopefully those guys can both get back and healthy in time for the playoffs. But that, that punch of uh, uh, Tamaric Williams, Adam, Ganell, and Hunter Lipke, I think could do a lot of damage. It, you're averaging if with uh, Tamaric almost 62 attempts, seven yards a game. Yeah. seven yards a game. Yeah. That's That's awfully impressive. I don't care who you're playing. That's through a Missouri Valley football slate. The damage wasn't all done against Youngstown and against Youngstown 18 carries for a buck 37 and the two scores so I'm really high on him I think he's a tremendous back uh, but there's still a lot of other weapons TK Marshall had a nice game three carries for a buck 27 and uh, or buck 37 excuse me a couple scores that's a guy you know you pop off those long runs of was there a 50 yard or an 84 yarder and a 60 yarder actually excuse me TK Marshall had three carries for a buck 46 and the yeah. touchdown. So that's another guy. You gotta play him more, don't you? When a guy does that, shows that kind of ability to, to pop long ones. I think the buys and the, the the good news is after being dinged up for a while, this might be as healthy. And the, the running back room is starting to get healthy outside of Dom and, and Lipke. but you got some options there and you've got some depth, which bodes well when you're about to make a playoff run.
1: Especially when you're NDSU and you want to run the ball. I mean a perfect a perfect game plan, you're running the ball 30, 40 times a game and just smashing it down their throat. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Talk, talk about, you know, and, and the nice thing, too, I had, I had a, a debate with my brother, Brother Swan, on heard it here with Swanee Saturday morning. He was talking about, well, you need to be able to, Bill Belichick says you have to pass to set up the run. I'm like, dude, Cam Miller's playing awfully well through three games as a starter. He's got 10 touchdown passes, three and a half games. He played most of the second half. Actually, he played about a quarter, quarter, quarter and a half against uh, Missouri State. So three starts plus the Missouri State. Ten touchdown passes. Ten touchdowns, two picks. He's completing, let's see here, 70% of his passes. He's completing 70% of his passes. He's 46 to 66 for ten touchdowns. He led the Bison Bison in rushing, putting up over 50 against South Dakota State. We saw him run the ball well against Youngstown. And I'll tell you what, they're not... I don't think the Bison are going to run him unless they absolutely have to. I don't expect to see a lot of running out of him in less than until it's a situation in a game where you've got to pull all the stops. But when he's a guy that gives you that ability to complete 70% of his passes, make all the throws, stretch the field. I've been so, 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 so very impressed with where Cam Miller was last spring and the apparent work that that guy's put in to where he is this fall. I think right now he is the best quarterback, in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. I would take him over Oladolkin. I would take him over the dude from Missouri State. Uh, Camp is a good quarterback for South Dakota. I've seen him play a couple of times. He's a ballsy quarterback with some moxie. We're going to see him again, you know, this uh, banging around in the background here, the spotlight, obviously we've got some construction going around. Carson Camp, though, 15 touchdown passes, thrown for a 85 a game, 64% completion percentage. Tell you what, the Nation, you give me one quarterback in the Valley to make a playoff run with, I think Cam Miller is that guy. And I am that high on him right now.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we we talked about it. You know, he's he's battle tested after last year. He's he's been through tough moments, come out the other side, a completely different player. Uh, it's really impressive to see what see what he's been doing so far this season.
0: Right, looking at this year, here's an interesting nugget: the Bison for this game, they're going to go with the jersey combo that they have not worn since January 2020. In the national championship, went over James Madison, the Bison are going with the Harvest Helmet and the gold jerseys. Thirty-three and zero in those. Thirty-three and zero in those in the in the gold jerseys. The Bison, you know, the Bison have never lost. Damn it! I hope we didn't just jinx I this I, team, right? I, I hate
1: when they I'm going to delete this. Like oh, that, I know yeah. it.
0: I'm going to delete this stuff. I saw what was the one I saw? Oh, the 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 Vikings game. I'm a big Vikings fan. You know, school Vikings. I'm wearing a Vikings hat right now. Actually. I'm wearing a Viking stocking hat while this while we're recording. I was watching the game against uh, uh, the LA Chargers on Sunday, and they flashed a graphic that the the Vikings were the first team in all of the NFL that have led every opponent by at least a touchdown this year. When they took a, a ten point lead against the Chargers, I thought, "Are you freaking kidding me? Oh, we're gonna you know we're pretty good at pissing away games without any help, but you're gonna throw that graphic on there." The Bison are also twenty and O in the Green Harvest helmets and fourteen and O in the gold jersey green helmet combo. So hey. If we lose, it's not on anything we did, you superstitious fans. We're also going to, you know, go back and while I'm, you know, mixing this podcast, putting it in the MB3, we will delete that. Part of it, the Bison, uh, another nugget for you, clinched at least a share, as we mentioned, of its 10th Missouri Football Conference title. They can get an outright title with the win over USD. The Bison won nine straight league titles from 2011 to 2019, but only five outright. Four of those titles were shared. The only outright titles came in 2012. 2013, 2017, 2018, and 2019. So getting a, an outright title is a pretty big deal. The Bison have already, if, if you're wondering, the Bison have already clinched the Missouri Valley's automatic qualifier no matter what happens because they own the tiebreakers among all the teams with possible six-in-two record with a, a win over Missouri State. So this uh, the South Dakota game, and the other thing I thought what was nice about the Youngstown game taking the shot to Christian Watson down the field, cam being, and it's not just the efficiency. I mean, you take a look at his numbers in that game against Youngstown to put a bow on the, that game. 10 of 14 for a buck, 69, two scores, the longest 71. He's a guy that's not just a game manager. He's not dinking and dunking. To take that, the ball he put on the money to Christian down the field where only Christian could get it, it was an absolute money throw. He had that touchdown pass to Gindorf with the, with the nice touch on it. He, he's a guy, I, I, I'm just so impressed Brady, with how he's playing right now, and I think it gets lost in the conversation because he's not throwing for 300 yards per game. This is a guy that's going to be an FCS household name and on everybody's radars in the FCS after this postseason.
1: And think about how far we've come. I mean, we, off air, you and I had a conversation some weeks ago about how, regardless of how this season played out, there would probably be an open competition next year with Cole Payton and you know, Quincy and uh, and Cam. You know, I'm not saying that that won't happen because I'm sure the coaches will all tell you that every year everyone's competing for a spot, yada, yada, yada. But just in the press conference, I don't know which week it was, a week or two ago, um, they were asking about Cole Payton possibly extending beyond that four-game rule. And Madden's talked about how he didn't think that would happen because he wanted to be able to space and, Get that year, yeah, out at least one year, and I know that goes beyond just the starting position. That's about building depth on the roster, but I mean that speaks volumes, I think. And I mean I, that's it's just it's really just crazy how far he's come in the last what like six six
0: months? Yeah, going back to last April in that quarterfinal game, so that's four, tack on seven, about six and a half months. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. Ridiculous. And he's earned it. He's absolutely earned it. I think it was uh, uh, Mike or Jeff from the forum asked Coach Jantz after the Youngstown game about that because this is the first week where Cam has been listed as, and we've all known the last few weeks since that Missouri State game, that he was going to be the starter. But He said Cam's earned the right. He's the guy. We're we're riding him, and he absolutely has earned that right. So I, I Telling you, I, I think he's gonna have a big game this weekend. South Dakota, they're uh, you know, we talk about NDSU's defense being first in the country. South Dakota is a 12th team in the country. They're only giving up 17 points a game, which isn't a lot to, to hold a team to 17 points in this league. They're number 12 in rush defense. The bison are sixth nationally. Uh, pass defense, if there's an area where the Yolts give up some yards, they're giving up 222 yards per game through the air. You know, North Dakota State holding opponents to 10.9 points per game. So I, I think that this game is it's interesting because you got a quarterback, like uh, USD likes to spread it out, the RPO stuff, not under center, shotgun, and they got some receivers they like with Bell and Vander going down the field with, and then you know, Travis Thies and Nate Thomas, the two-headed monster running back, they're both coming in just shy of 75 yards per game, the Yotes are rushing for a buck 84 game, passing for 204, they're very balanced. They're a very, very balanced football team with a good quarterback in camp. So the Bison, this isn't a gimme game. This isn't a layup. The Bison are going to need to play well to win. I, I think that the Bison, you know, if they play like they did against Youngstown, I think they're in good good shape. South Dakota's going to present a challenge to North Dakota State.
1: Yeah, and I... It'll be interesting to see how NDSU matches up with that spread because, I mean, we haven't...
0: Haven't really seen a lot of that. Most yeah, State, maybe, a little bit.
1: Yeah, 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 but... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. And, and Mo State did have some su- success against Bison. Early. The Bison came yeah. on flat.
0: The Bison can't do that. The Bison were flat. Mo State got up 10-0 early. It could have been a, a lot worse. I don't suspect that'll be a problem on senior day and with a potential number two seed in the playoffs on the line. I don't think the Bison are going to come into this game sleepwalking like they did against most State. But, yeah, the Bison are going to need a strong start. And that was the other thing, Brady, that was so nice about the Youngstown State game. After coming out playing on their heels, playing from behind the entire game against South Dakota State, it was awesome to see the Bison come out and just punch Youngstown State in the mouth and take control and demand of that game early. Hopefully the Bison can establish the run. I think you look to establish the ground game early against South Dakota, put together a drive, and away we go.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, going back to how the Bison defense matches up with South Dakota, I I think they're going to be all right because, I mean, I think – you know the way you beat those spread teams is one you get pressure, you get pressure without having to blitz, and you need those you know those great coverage nickel type guys. I think they're plenty deep in the secondary, and then Jazier Cox, like we talked about, adds an added added dimension to that where he's a linebacker, but he could, yeah, I mean, he could really cover almost anyone in the slot. I think.
0: If here here's they did the Bison got back after only one sack against the Jacks. It was nice to see them get pressure on Youngstown State. Yeah, and I think they wrapped with with five sacks against the Penguins. And on, on the year, their their sack numbers are are absolutely fantastic. If you had to guess how many sacks NDSU has on the season, what would you guess?
1: Oh man, I have no idea. Um, let's say
0: let through nine, not, nine, ten games, games. ten, games. ten, ten games. games.
1: Let's say they have thirty-five.
0: They're close, close thirty-seven. Okay, thirty-seven sacks on the year that'll be a a, another thing trying to keep south dakota off schedule behind the sticks they've got some guys that can pick up chunk plays it was only you know the the 23 uh 20 outcome against south dakota state so it was a lower scoring game but both teams were able to move the ball between the 30s and in south dakota you know they went dormant for some stretches of that game it was it was kind of interesting but what i saw they like a lot of teams you get them behind the sticks, and that's second and long and third and long, kind of take them off schedule from what they want to do. That's where they have problems. So I think that'll be a big key for the game, making sure that North Dakota State is, is keeping South Dakota in those behind the downs, you know, second and plus seven, third, third and plus five, and I think that the Bison do that. They'll be in, in, in really good shape. And here's, here's something that just absolutely jumps out to me. In big plays, what we've seen, all these explosive plays from the Bison offense, NDSU is actually the best team in the Missouri Valley. They have a league-best 7.1 yards per play, which if you'd have told me that, I would say that's no. That 7.1 yards per play, third in the FCS, seven plays of 40-plus yards last week. Well, that helps out. What <laughs> do you get a 49-yarder by Lipke, a 50-yarder by uh, T- Tamarick, 61-yarder by Jalen Bussey, an 84-yarder by TK Marshall, Miller throwing the 71-yard bomb to Christian, a 40-yard pass to Babbage. This buys an offense. We've talked about it all year. All year we've talked about it. Here's something else I haven't heard anybody in the local media talk about. We've talked about the home run hitters and the big play potential of this offense and their and offense and their explosiveness. I think Miller's to the point where he's as big a threat, and I'm not going to put him in the same category as an Easton Stick or a Trey or Brock. Uh, what have you, because that's some pretty lofty comparisons. But the Bison offense now looks like they might be at that point with that explosiveness where, and again, I don't care who you're playing, to have that many plays of 40-plus yards, seven. That says something about how explosive that offense is, where if you you just focus, like Youngstown did, stop the run, let's shut it down, but you're still popping those long runs, but then you get the 71-yarder to Christian, the 40-yarder to Babbage. man, I I get excited talking about it because I think we're just starting to see maybe scratching the scratching the the tip of that old proverbial iceberg of what this Bison offense is capable of.
1: Absolutely because I mean, you know, Cam would be he'd be a redshirt freshman if last year didn't play out the way it did. You know, and and technically he's still got three more years of eligibility after this season. So it's really going to be interesting to see how things develop the rest of the season and then going into next year you talk about how Cam's going to be a household name. I think he I think he definitely will be a household name. And I I wouldn't be surprised if he was on the watch list for the Walter Payton award next
0: season. Yeah, depending on how playoff run goes, yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it...
0: Tamarick Williams, too, is another guy that I think is going to start to have a breakout type of... You know, I, his, his game against Youngstown, you could certainly put that in as a breakout performance. But he's another guy. As his playoff gets on, you know, you're going to have a lot of coaches and national FCS guys going, who are these guys? Hey, it's another look what the Bison got again. They're finally to that point. And, and Coach Entz, I think, sent shivers through the rest of the FCS earlier in this week at his press conference when he talked about 10 or 11 guys that are seniors this year that could graduate or coming back. Guys like uh, Jasir Cox will be back next yeah. year, Michael Tutsi, I think Dawson Weber. Um, uh, Is Hanky coming back? Hanky's not coming back. That's, not. At least that's what he said. And I know there's a story that's up on Inform about that. But uh, to, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, you know the Bison have, it, go, going into the year. If someone would have told me North Dakota State will be nine and one, six and one in the league, heading into the season finale at the Dome against South Dakota, I'd have taken that because this team hasn't really the, the Youngstown State game. They put it together. You want to see them put it together against a really good team like South Dakota, with with so much on the line, a high seed. They weren't able to do that against South Dakota State. You want to see them put together a really, really strong game against South Dakota. But this is a team that, depending on how this is, it's so tough because they have that they, they lay a turd against the Jacks. They have that dominating performance against Youngstown. So who is this team? Well, what kind of performance are they going to put against South Dakota? They've looked really good at times. Against Northern Iowa, they were dominant at times. Against Missouri State, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. They did fight like hell to get back into that game against uh, the Jacks. Against Towson, they looked really good. Against Youngstown, they looked really good. Well, then some against Illinois State, come out gangbusters, and then they really, really struggle in that game offensively to put it away. So who is this team? You would think at this point in the season you, you would know who the team is, but I think what we're seeing is a quarterback that's finally starting to get comfortable, and, and not just getting comfortable, but that is that is – taking ownership of that Bison offense. And across the board with the players like Tamaric Williams, camp being able to get the ball to the tight ends and Christian, I think this team is starting, what's starting to come into focus is that I think what we saw against Youngstown is who this team is. And you throw that in with, with the defense and what they've done, if the Bison offense can match that or get anywhere close to that, I seriously don't think there's another team in the FCS that can touch them. I really don't whether that's a James Madison or a Sam Houston. We'll find out against South Dakota. What do you, uh, just what you know about them, Brady? What are your impressions of, it? you know, a South Dakota team, 7-3 and three coming into the game overall, 5-2 and two in the league. If they were to beat the Bison, they could have an argument that they ought to be seeded. They'll have beaten SDSU and NDSU in back-to-back weeks. So, you know, Coach Nielsen is telling his guys, share of the conference title on the line. You could be a seed and get that bye. So it's a big game for them, too. What are your impressions of the Yotes?
1: I mean, I think they look solid. I, you know, I one thing that's really interesting that jumps out to me is, you know, we talk about they run that spread, but their their leading receiver has 605 yards receiving. Their second leading receiver only has 252, so they run the, they're running the spread, but they have two ball carriers at almost 600 yards on the season. I think that's really interesting that they that that's the way they're choosing to uh, to distribute the ball out of those sets. Um, I haven't really seen a ton of teams do that, but, um, you know, they, they look pretty solid. I, I think, obviously, if NDSU plays plays their best football, there's no there's no way they lose. Um, but maybe a bit of a sacrilegious question to ask. Where do the Bison end up seeding-wise, you think, if they do drop this one? How far do they fall? They're
0: seated at 9-2 and two overall, 6-2 and two in the league, I would guess. I don't think they're going to drop them to 8. I would guess 6, six or 7. Yeah. Six or seven, depending on what else shakes out in the valley, and you can't get too upset about that if you're, you know, dropping to your last three games. What impresses me about it, you alluded to it there. You know, there are two running backs, both at about 75 yards per game. Thies has got 653 net yards on the season. Thomas at 595, 12 total touchdowns between the two of them, and then in the the passing game, they're balanced. Yeah, they're balanced. They can run the ball, they can throw it, and and I think that's where they hurt teams. Is that it's not a team where you can say, well, let's shut down the pass, we'll be all right. Let's shut down the run, we'll be all right. They got they've got playmakers, but what uh, Coach Nielsen has done down there, he's he's really built the the talent pool up and in Coach Entz referenced that in his weekly press conference, where they got some good football players. They really do. And it, it starts it all starts with the quarterback, though, Carson Camp. I remember watching him in their season opener against Kansas. The Kansas team had just knocked off Texas. Um, I know folks won't get too excited about Kansas, but, you know, a Big 12 opponent, I thought he was, I thought Moxie Ballsy, the guy wasn't afraid to make a play. And I thought the same thing watching him against the Jacks. The guy's not afraid to go out there and just let her buck, let her rip, and, and that impresses me. So I think that's going to be a key for the Bison, and it may be as simple as who plays better, Miller or Camp, that'll decide this football game. Because so I, don't, I don't see North Dakota State running away with it. I think the Bison play well. I think it's going to be when you have this much on the line this late in the season, would I like to see the Bison a 42-20 kind of game? Absolutely. I think South Dakota is too good for that to happen. I, I think it's going to be a tight ball game. I think it's going to be a four-quarter game where the, the other thing about these two teams, they don't turn the ball over. They're both on the plus side on the turnover margin. Combined, South Dakota has only turned the ball over 11 times. They've got 17 takeaways. For North Dakota State, you know, you would like to see them get back on track there because earlier in the year, it seemed like a turnover fest every week where the defense was getting the ball back. Uh, didn't really do that against South Dakota State or or Youngstown. So uh, the Bison, they're still on the plus side of the ledger. They're taking care of the ball. They only have nine turnovers through 10 games, which is good. They've got 18 turnovers themselves. That, that's the one area where you'd like to see that defense maybe come away with a few more picks, and, and maybe they're able to do that or force some fumbles. But I... I suppose, without being too critical, when you're putting the quarterback on his back that many times, got 37 sacks on the season, and you're only giving up 10 points per game, maybe I should shut my big yapper, complaining about the lack of turnovers. But I, I think these teams, and South Dakota, what's, what's so interesting, weird about them, if you, you take a look at, at what they've done on the season, right? Okay, we, we look at that South Dakota State game and say, boy, that's that's pretty impressive, you know, South Dakota to, to do that. But they still have... Two losses in the valley coming in to this football game and a, a really bizarre loss to Illinois State. That's when you kind of they lost to Missouri State, 31 to 23, back on September 26th, and then you lose at home, 20 to 14, two weeks before you play South Dakota State. They lose to Illinois State, and we saw Illinois State. I think after the the Bison have played them, they really struggled early. They beat Northern Iowa. They beat South Dakota. And they're a good team defensively. So Illinois State, despite their record, they're a pretty good football team. You look at that when you kind of scratch their head some of the other scores. They played a, t- a tight one against UND. They won that 20-13. Beat Indiana State 38-10. The loss, uh, 31-23 loss to Missouri State. Lost to Kansas to start the year. And then they got back-to-back wins over Big Sky foes Northern Arizona. 34-7. They beat Cal Poly 48-14. So... And then they beat Western Illinois 42-21 the week before the, the South Dakota State win. This is a team that going back over the course of the last month after their uh, September 25th loss at Missouri State, they've uh, won five of their last six football games. So they're playing they're playing really well right now.
1: For sure. And one thing that I think we've kind of glossed over something to maybe watch. They're number one in kick returns in the nation.
0: Yeah, they one. are. And that's an area where the Bison, if they, I don't know, they've, they've gotten better in recent weeks about it. But earlier in the year, they were giving up some big, big kick returns. So that's, that's a hell of a good point that statistically the Yolts are number one in the country on kick returns. The Bison, for their part, nine in the country on punt returns. So is that something, how will that play into a game? And in a game this close, special teams could have a could absolutely have a big role. Absolutely could have a big role.
1: Yeah, third of the game. And, I mean, you, you all fans, you know, we're all guilty of it. We don't. Maybe pay attention to as much of that as we should. But you look at all the great teams out there, even in the NFL. I mean, the Patriots, they're always putting people in the Pro Bowl for special teams, All-Pro for special teams. It's a really critical part of the game. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think you... And it's it's extra critical in a game like this, um, where you talk about, you know, you see four-quarter four drag-out, slug-fest, close game, you know, special teams and turnovers, that could really be the deciding factor.
0: It could be, and let's uh, let's we got to talk about the potential playoff field here in the seeded teams. This is the Bison Illustrated podcast, where champions come to podcast. I'm senior columnist Josh Swanson, along with editor in chief of the Bison Illustrated, Brady Drake. Check out all the great content at BisonIllustrated.com. You can subscribe for free to this podcast on Apple iTunes. Search Bison Illustrated. You can also listen where you listen to all podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Make sure to tune into Heard It Here with Swanee, my weekly radio show on 7:40 a.m. the fan from 8 to 9 a.m. every Saturday morning. That's also podcasted. You can search and listen to that for free on iTunes. Search Heard It Here. Now, the the conversation we talked, I don't want to spend too much time on who gets in who doesn't from the valley between SDSU if they were to lose. Simple solution for the Jacks when you're in. But the seating, here's what we got right now. Stats, FCS, top 25. Number one, Sam Houston. Number two, James Madison. Number three, Montana State. They got the Brawl of the Wild against Montana this weekend. Number four, North Dakota State. Number five, Eastern Washington. Number six, Villanova. Number seven, Montana. Montana, Villanova, and Eastern all have eight and two records. NDSU, Montana State, and JMU are all nine and one. Sam is nine and oh. You have East Tennessee State at nine and one. Kennesaw State at nine and one. Then a couple of big sky teams. Number ten, UC Davis, eight and two. Sac State at eight and two. South Dakota State at seven and three. Missouri State is at seven and three. Number fourteen, Tennessee Martin, nine and one at thirteen. So, what do you think about? Let's let's just play this. Let's let's play this scenario out. All, all of those teams win this weekend. Sam Houston wins. James Madison wins. Montana State wins. North Dakota State wins. So you've got all four of the top four teams winning. Sam's gonna get the one. I could really see them I can see the committee. I could see him saying screw you to James Madison you're leaving the FCS. should that come into play yeah, I think I think it should play a role. You're ditching the FCS you know if the shoe were on the other foot, the committee would bend the bison over the barrel. whether or not that comes into play or not we'll see but between JMU Montana State NDSU, I could really see either of those teams being uh, to 2, 3, or 4. It wouldn't surprise me to see any order, whether that's NDSU 2, James Madison 3, Montana State 4, JMU 2, NDSU 3, Montana... I think I just said that. Uh, Montana State, there's something to be, to be said if you go undefeated through the Big Sky. Got a lot of Big Sky teams in the top 25. You don't have an FCS loss. There's an argument to be made that they should be the number 2 team. What do you think? Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, it's hard to say just because, you know, we watch them more than any other team and we see how physically dominant they are, we know their history. Um, I guess I don't know how I, I don't know how much the committee like takes these rankings into consideration. They're not the ones putting them out throughout the year, are they?
0: They they don't put them out, but they one of the criteria is rankings. Is- so it, they can't take it into account, but we've seen, can't remember what year it was where Andy She was like five or six in the final ranking got the two seed. So yeah. I think with the committee, generally, there have been a couple of years where I thought they've they've been way off, but by and large, I think they, they get it right. And I think if you're James Madison, Montana State, or NDSU, you know, NDSU had an opportunity to control its own destiny by beating South Dakota State. They didn't do it. So if you're a Bison fan, I don't think you can complain a lot if they do end up with that four seed. Why I think the Bison ought to get the two, the Missouri Valley is the toughest conference in the FCS without a doubt.
1: For sure. And if you're taking, you know, all one loss teams you're taking that all into account the bison's one loss was to an in a rivalry game against the team that was in the national championship last year and they probably don't take past years into account but you're looking at north dakota state you know wins eight out of the last 10 national championships they're coming in 9-1 last year they made it to the quarterfinal game you know, with the quarterback situation they had. I, I don't know how, he, I don't know why you don't put them number two, but Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's really, it's really a toss up. And to be honest, I'm not sure how much it, it matters really.
0: The, the big thing that, that will matter is if that two, three, if, if NDSU is three and James Madison is two, that sets a sem- up a semifinal game where you're not playing in the Fargo Dome, you're heading is out to Harrisonburg. So I think that's the, you know, if you end up with that four spot, I, th- I think Sam Houston. I-, I would not be surprised to see them lose in the second round because they haven't been tested all year. And it's one thing when you're from the valley. Say what you will about a, a seven and three South Dakota State team or a, a Missouri State program that's seven and three. They're battle tested. They've they've been battle tested throughout the valley, and they can hang with anybody. If you're Sam Houston, I don't think you got a single win against a team that's in the top forty. So it's a different ball game where all of a sudden you get to the playoffs. You're going to face a team that's going to be just as physical as you think you are. Now, they showed it last year in a goofy spring season. Yeah. They ran the table in the playoffs. They beat the Bison. They beat JMU, and they beat the Jacks. Hats off to them. But but I think, you know, for me, I'd rather be the four seed than the three seed. And the reason I say that is I think Sam Houston is going to get knocked off before the semifinals. So I think if you're the, the four seed, you've got a better shot to host a home game in the semis, then you, if you're the three-seed, I think James Madison, I think they're going to get to the semifinals. If they're if they're the two-seed and playing at home. So we're, we're, what's so interesting about what you said that I want to unpack for a minute here, if you take a look, NDSU's only loss is on the road to a South Dakota State team. It probably would have helped the Bison for seeding purposes. If it had South Dakota State won. But because they lost, you take a little of the shine off that. So now your only loss is against a 7-3 and three SDSU team who three teams have beaten in your league, right? If you're James Madison, your only loss is to a Villanova team who's six in the stats, top 25, number nine. They're a top 10 team. They're number 25 in the coach, or excuse me, Villanova is nine in the coaches' poll, six in the stats FCS poll. The the distinguishing factor there, what I would say, trying to be objective looking at it, both the Bison and James Madison finish 10-1 and one overall in their leagues, the Valley's tougher than the CAA. Outside of Villanova, you yeah, haven't played anybody. And NDSU went into Towson and just beat the hell out of them earlier in the year. Villanova, or excuse me, James Madison can't say that. They can't say that they've beaten a the Valley team. I think the Bison will have more wins over playoff teams in South Dakota State wins, South Dakota wins, Missouri State wins. So there's three wins right there over playoff teams. The only uh, – well, James Madison, I don't think they have a win over a playoff team because they lost to Villanova, and they lost at home. I think that should count for something. NDSU lost on the road in Brookings, which is a very tough place to play. James Madison lost at home. So I, I think objectively, could you make a case for either team to be two or three between James Madison or NDSU? You could. But I think when you take a look at Surrigan and Massey and all the ratings that put together strength of your schedule, the quality of opponents that you have beaten – I think NDSU's resume, indisputably, why NDSU deserves that two seed, NDSU's resume is much better than James Madison. Because if you're James Madison, who have you beat? You tell me who you lost to, you're, you're trying to tell me that you should get in. And that's where I think who you beat matters. James Madison, if they, they win to finish 10-1, and 1, their argument's going to be our only loss is to Villanova. We lost to a playoff team. It's not who have we beaten. They're not saying, hey, we beat a Missouri State team in the playoffs hey, we beat a South Dakota state team, or excuse me, a South Dakota team in the playoffs. They're saying, we lost to Villanova. So I think you have to take a look at the wins and who you've beaten. And I think that's why NDSU is more deserving of that number two seed rather than James Madison with Montana State. I, I think for the same reason. Yeah, you went undefeated in the FCS, but I take a look at what you did against the Idaho. If you watch that game, you know that they're, Probably not the second-best team in the country, Montana State. But who have you beaten? Who have you beaten? Well, I suppose you could say if you get by Montana this weekend, Montana's 8-2 of the playoff team. If Mont- I'll, I'll say this. In fairness, if Montana State beats Montana, they're undefeated in the FCS. They've won the Big Sky. I think they deserve the number two. Then I think it's between NDSU for three and James Madison for four. My, what I think should happen if I had a vote in that case, Montana State wins and NDSU and JMU all win. I put Sam at one, Montana State two, NDSU three, JMU four. What I think the committee is going to do is put Sam Houston one, Montana State two, JMU three, and NDSU four. So it still sets up where JMU would potentially have to go to Montana State in the semis and the bison would have to go down to Huntsville for the, the semifinals too. But I think what's more important then all that, because we look at that stuff, right? We talk about seeding and potential semifinal matchups. There are no give-me's. Yeah. There, there, there's really no, as of right now, the Bison, the Bison keep doing what they're doing. And the offensive line plays like they did. I think they have the potential to be a great team that separates themselves from the field. But going off the record to date, what we know through November 17th or whatever day it is, there's not a single team in this field, including Sam Houston, like I said earlier, that's this juggernaut. That's untouchable. you got to win games in the second round. We've seen games in the second round. We've seen blowouts. We've seen nut cutters. We've seen tight games in the quarterfinals. And we've seen nut cutters. There's no give me path to Frisco this year. So if you're a Bison fan or a JMU fan or, SD or uh, Montana State fan complaining about the seed you get, you damn well better play good football and take care of business in the second round and the quarters because there, are, there will be no cakewalks. DeFrisco. When you look at that bracket, you're going to look, and I think what you're going to see is some teams are going to have tougher second round games than the other. I don't like, I don't think if you win the Valley, if you win your conference outright and you're 10 and one like the Bison, I think it's bull crap if they put a conference team in the second round for how good the Valley is and having a league opponent who knows you, who's familiar with you having to play them in the second round. I think that is so much bull crap. Could you play them in the quarters? Absolutely. Could you get a team from the big sky? Could you get an Eastern Washington? If Eastern Washington wins, they'll be seated. Could you get a UC Davis in the second round? Sure. Should you get a Patriot League team or an Incarnate Word type team? I think so. I think what's more, what's as interesting to me, Brady, is, is not necessarily – everyone's going to focus on the seeding discussions. It's what we're going to hear this weekend. It's what we're going to hear Saturday night. It's what we're going to hear Sunday morning about uh, before the bracket's announced. What I'm more interested in than who's 1, 2, 3, 4 is who's playing who in the second round and what are the potential matchups in the quarterfinals, because I think that's more, that'll shed more light on potentially who gets to Frisco than who gets seeded 1, 2, 3, 4.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, you, just going back, you talk about how tough the Missouri Valley is. I mean, we're, we're talking about, or how, the path to Frisco, we're talking about South Dakota State barely getting in. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be a low season. even if they win.
0: They're not. They're probably not getting a buy or a seed. Yeah. They're playing in the first round. Yeah. And then if you're a seeded team, how would you like to be that coach on Sunday morning selection Sunday? You're seated. you think, all right, we're seated. All right, we're number six. We're number seven, and feel pretty good about getting a buy and having to play at home. Then you see in the second round, you got South Dakota State coming yeah, to your no, place. No, thank you. No, thank <laughs> you. Right.
1: Want, I don't want that. How do you feel just as a general FCS fan? I know. um I think I know how you feel about it, but how do you feel about like teams from the Patriot League getting an automatic qualifying bid?
0: You have to do it for the same reason. You can't be a Bison fan and say they shouldn't get an auto bid if you're from the Patriot League or um, you know whatever other Pioneer League. What would happen in March Madness? Yeah, I mean, if the, you know. So I, I have no issue because I think if you're yeah. the, the reason I say that if you won your conference, you deserve a spot in the playoffs. Now, are you in most cases going to get shellacked? Maybe. We saw San Diego, who won the Pioneer League two years in a row, they came to the Bison, came to our place in the second round because they knocked off Big Sky team in the first round. So we've seen those kind of maybe lower-tier FCS leagues do it. But I think if you're 4-4, four and four, I think where if you're a South Dakota State fan, and let's say they lose to UND, right? So they got six FCS wins. They're 4-4 four and four in the Valley. Are they a better football team than maybe an AQ from the Patriot? Probably. Definitely. But you went four and four in your league. You had all kinds of opportunities and more chances. If you're if you're in a league like the Patriot and you got one or two losses, you're not. You can go. There's teams out there that are going to be probably eight and eight, two in their conference, maybe nine and two overall. They're not going to get into the playoffs because they don't get their league's AQ. If you're South Dakota State or or, or any team from uh, the you know kind of the equivalent of the Power Five in the FCS, the the Valley, the Big Sky, the C. I think the CEA this year they're not. The CAA is not in the discussion for a power. James Madison's there. You take out James Madison, that's not going to be a power league. It's going to be the big two, the Missouri Valley and the big sky. After James Madison jumps, you had all kinds of opportunities to make the playoffs. You went four and four in your league. So I think, are you one of the best 24 teams in the country? Yes. It's not what the playoffs are about. March March Madness isn't about putting the best 65 teams in college basketball or 68 with how they do it now, those play-ins. It's not about putting the best sixty-eight teams in the tournament, right? So I, I think you don't have a lot to complain about because you went four and four in your league. You lost four league games. So I, I think it's two different issues. It's a, good, it's a great question. One, are you a better football team than a lot of the teams that got in? Absolutely. You had an opportunity to get in the playoffs. You you, you shit the bed. You didn't you didn't take care of business. You had four losses in your league. It's nobody's fault but your own that you're on that bubble. If South Dakota State loses, they have no one to blame but themselves for having to go out there and try to explain. If you're explaining, you're losing, right? It's a, There's an adage in the law where I tell my clients they wanna come in with all kinds of complicated, crazy stuff. If you're explaining, you're losing, right? Kids that keep it simple, stupid thing. If you're going on TV Saturday night and Sunday morning pounding the table why you deserve to be in over somebody else and you're from the Valley, you've put yourself, in a bad place through nobody's fault but your own. If John Stigemeyer has to to be on ESPNU or two or whatever it is, Sunday morning, explaining why his sixth sixth division, they beat Lindenwood, so they'll have seven, they have seven wins right now. They beat a D2 team. Why you schedule that team? There's a a ton of cupcake FCS games you could have scheduled to get that seventh D1 win. So don't come to me and say you have seven, seven wins overall. You have six D1 wins that's your fault. You scheduled that. It's dumb scheduling. You went 4-4, four and four, dude. You'd have lost two or three of your last games and, what, four to your last six? If you have to make that case, you shouldn't feel bad at all about getting left out. You have no argument. You have no bitch to say we should have been in if that happens. So that's that's, to me, that's part of the discussion, the teams that got left out. If you're on the bubble and you're left out, you know how you could have gotten off the bubble? Win another game. So if you're a fan from any program, if you're the last two in or last two out, well, it's a coin flip. You put your fate in the hands of somebody else to make that decision, and that's what you have to live with. You have to live with that. Just like Shoe when they lost to Missouri State back in 2010, backed into the playoffs, I think, 7-4 and four overall, 4-4 four and four in the league. When they lost that game 3-0 at Missouri State in November 20, 2010, we all thought they were out. There, there weren't a lot of bias fans out there saying, oh, we, we deserve to be in. You thought, well... Hey, we're 7-4. and We think we're one of the best 25 teams. We got an FBS win over Kansas, but hey, we had an opportunity to punch our ticket, but we didn't. We didn't win. And the Bison managed to get in and make a run all the way to the national quarters. So it's going to be an interesting discussion, I think. That's what's fun about the FCS is 24 24 teams are in the playoffs. I know folks at Forum Communications don't like that. They're not reducing the size of the playoffs. So People can complain about that, but it's fun to – I'll tell you what one of the funnest moments is as, as – wait, wait, wait,
1: hold up, hold up. I mean, I should be plugged into this. I'm not – why do they want the field produced?
0: Too many teams because of the first – second-round blowouts when you get games in the quarters. I think with the form guys like Mike, I get his point. You see so many quarterfinal games that end 42-14. to 14, Did that team really deserve to get in? Does a team – and on the – does a team like South Dakota State, they're 7-3. They beat UND, do they deserve, deserve to get in? Probably. But as a team that goes four and four in their league, deserve to get into the playoffs? Probably not. Like the playoffs should be the best teams. I think as a fan, it's fun because the Bison are going to get in every year. The Bison would have to have just such a turd clunker of a season not to get in the playoffs with 24 teams. If you're in the Valley, you know that if you go four and four, you have a shot at the title. That you're probably going to be in the playoffs if you go 500 in your league. But I think his argument is that when you're going 500 in your league, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. So the playoffs should be the best, you know, 12, 16, pare it down. But it makes for well, it makes for a month of playoffs. So it makes it a little more fun, more playoff games. So I'm, I, I could care less. I'm fine with sixteen. I'm fine with twenty. I'm fine with twenty-four. But what's fun is seeing those teams being revealed in the bracket and then having a discussion like, okay, here's the road to Frisco. Who has the toughest road? Who's got to play? Who's got to play? Who? I think that's one of the fun things about the FCS. For sure. Give me yeah. going going into the uh, the playoffs here wrapping up here on the Bison Illustrated Podcast, uh, just a, a minute or two. Give me uh, who you like, and, and things can change, but as we sit here after after 10 weeks, who do you like to get to Frisco? <laughs> Put I mean, you on the spot a little bit. Me,
1: well, I'm going to be honest to our listeners. You know, I, I I've over the course of the last six months or so, we've been um, somewhat not... Short, well, a little short staffed here at Spotlight, just in the editorial department. That's changing now. We've hired two new great people. So, in addition to doing this magazine, I've also been doing you got a bunch on your I've also Five been or six five other, other magazines. magazines. Yeah. So, uh, you know, to be totally honest, the only team that I've really been watching on a consistent basis has been NDSU. Um, I don't see any reason why they can't make it if things, you know, click on all cylinders for them. Um, yeah. yeah I <laughs> That's all I got for you for an answer, if I'm just being totally, totally honest with you.
0: And it's probably as good an answer as as I have, because I think North Dakota State gets there. I've been bullish on this team all year. I think it's all kind of starting to gel together and come into place. So I like the Bison, and it's a total crapshoot after that. It's a total crapshoot. I I could see JMU or Sam Houston getting there. I think what they're going to do, I think, you know, Sam Houston and James Madison both bolting for FBS. I don't think the committee and FCS wants two teams leaving after this year playing in a title game. I think that's why Sam Houston gets the one seat, JMU gets the four. And I also think that's why NDSU gets the two and Montana State gets the three. I think they're going to set up a, a, a situation where NDSU and Montana State, if Chalk holds, would play in one semi, and I think they don't want both Sam and JMU getting to Frisco. And I think there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you're leaving the FCS. If it happens – One day it could happen to the Bison, and I'm not going to complain about it if that's the case. But because of that, I think North Dakota State, and uh, I think it's James Madison. I I really do. Uh, They're not invincible. They're just so well coached. They've been there before. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if a Sam went. It wouldn't surprise me if a Dark Horse jumped out, like a, a South Dakota, even if they lose, and they send South Dakota. What would be fun is to see South Dakota get sent, Bison beat them. They send a South Dakota team or a South Dakota State team That would be the greatest, the big middle finger, to those Sam Houston and JMU fans. I'm not saying this for me personally, guys. I know we have fans from other schools listening. But if the FCS just has a big double-birds Eli Manning style to Sam Houston and James Madison and puts South Dakota State going to, let's say, JMU or Harrisonburg in the second round and puts a Missouri State or a Southern Illinois going to JMU or Huntsville, so I— that would be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be just freaking deliciously hilarious? I want to go to FBS. I wish we were going to FBS. Yeah. But if I'm the committee, that's what I say. If I'm a voice in that room, I say, you know what? Screw them. They're leaving. You don't have to say it because you don't want to get now because the CAA rep's going to be in the room. Yeah. Because they, you know what? You know what? JMU really hasn't played anyone in the CAA. You know, Valley's so balanced, blah, blah, blah. Uh, South Dakota, they're coming into this game. 7-4 uh, and four overall. Now yeah, let's put them, you know, send them to Harrisonburg. And then with saying with South Dakota State and Huntsville I say you know what it's a fun little rematch in the championship game. South Dakota State's coming in this game either at at uh, oh seven and eight and three overall or seven and four. Let's send let's send them down to you know they can host first round. But let's send South Dakota State down to Huntsville, to play in a second round game. I would laugh my ass off. I would absolutely laugh my ass off. So that's what's going to happen. Those are our picks. We'll have covered for you here. We'll talk playoff selection and more in a bracket breakdown next week in the Bison Illustrated podcast for brady drake i'm josh swanson reminding you that the strength of the herd is the bison and the strength of the bison is the herd
1: thank you for listening to the bison illustrated podcast be sure to subscribe to the podcast on either soundcloud or itunes reach out to us on twitter at bison mag you can subscribe to the magazine at BisonIllustrated.com.
0: This is Josh Swanson, host of Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. The march is on every Saturday morning from 8 to 9, getting you ready for NDSU football. That's Heard It Here on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM.